Why do people become sexologists? What do sexologists do and what are they like? Welcome to the podcast from one sexologist to another with your host, Sikatak the sexologist from Iceland. So hi Kalle, welcome to hi. the show from one sexologist to another. Yeah, it's fun to be here. So where are you today in the world? Uh, today I am at Stockholm, Sweden, uh, in my office, my uh, reception for sexual therapy. Okay, and are you just are you working with as a part of a foundation, or are you uh, private, or? Uh, I'm a, I have my private reception. Okay. Earlier I have been working at a hospital as a counselor, mm-hmm. uh, but I quit my job there for a couple of months ago to uh, create my own little sexological world. Okay, but there are quite a few sexologists in Sweden, right? Yeah, we are a couple. Oh, you're, you know, it always sounds like there are like hundreds of sexologists in Sweden or something. Well, in Sweden, the the title of being a sexologist isn't like protected in any way. Anyone can be a sexologist if they like to. Uh, but uh, we are, I think we're about 50 individuals who have the author who are authorized sexologists through uh, the Nordic Association of Clinical Sexology mm-hmm. the next organization okay and how, how have you found it to start building your own business like how, how what do you do well uh, for now it's uh, very hot outside here in Sweden so not many people want to come here <laughs> to have counseling or therapy <laughs> they rather be on the beach or something like that uh, so right now I am creating, um, uh, well, my own office. I have to decorate it with flowers and couches and things like that. Mm-hmm. But also I am um, uh, doing a couple of, um, what's the name in English? Well, lectures in sexology, which I will be uh, giving during the autumn. Oh, okay. Where? Uh, in uh, universities. Uh, private hospitals uh, and in uh, schools for teachers who are doing sex education for kids mm-hmm. and what more uh, the pride festival here in stockholm as well okay what, what are you doing for pride uh, for pride i will be participating in two different seminars uh, the first one is uh, about exploring anal sex okay and the, and the other one, me and my sex, uh, sexologist colleague, uh, Susanne Larsdotter, who yeah. I know you are very familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, will be looking back in history uh, regarding important LGBT activists who has been important for the LGBT history. Yeah, for Sweden or the Swedish LGBT yeah, activists. The Stockholm Pride, yeah. Wow. And the Swedish activists and also international Hopefully. Oh, okay, 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 perfect. And what are the um, so uh, the anal lecture? Is it a workshop or is it just a lecture? Uh, it will be uh, four participants who has different uh, ingoing on the subject. Uh, me as a therapist, there will also be a nurse uh, and a an, uh, sex inspirator, and also Susanne Larsdotter. <laughs> sex inspirator. Yeah. What? You need to help me. What is that? Who, what the, uh, what? It's the only one that we have in Sweden who have been created the title by herself, uh, who, whose name is Marika Smit. That's also a very nice person that you should get in contact with because she's very inspirational and very 
very nice to listen to. Okay, but what but what does she do? Like, how did she invite the in, invent that title? Yeah, she. It was like a response for uh, the discussion that we also have in the NACS organization regarding the authorization, for example. That she said, like, I know a lot of shit about sexology, sexology, mm -hmm. but I don't have the uh, like education that's regarding yeah. the organization. So what can I do? I can create my own stuff. Mm -hmm. And okay. then she started her own company and uh, did her thing, really. Okay. So she are, ha has her reception and then she uh, meets people with questions regarding practical sex. Like, how should I do this? How can I do that? Yeah, so like kind of like a sex coach. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because I've heard that's a new term now, sex coaching. Yeah. So I've heard that too. Yeah, it sounds similar. Okay, yeah, so is it's 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 is, is, will it be like a panel discussion? Yeah, exactly. Like uh, questions regarding the uh, different rumors about anal sex, like is it dangerous, does it hurt, and so on. My, and then yeah, everyone, yeah. My experience so of nurses has been that it's really hard to find a nurse that will get on board with anal yeah. stimulation. They're like, no, 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 no. Exactly. And so we want to break the bubble, so to speak, and uh, mm -hmm. give them, give the participants in the public just information regarding it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I yeah. think it's really, 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 really important. I think so too. It's important that... Yeah, all of us get information regarding different sexual activities. Yeah. Uh, so it can be explored yeah. with good information. I have actually, um, I've gotten some really bad feedback here in Iceland. Uh, oh, really? Because I am one of those people that does educate about yeah. what, what it involves. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're doing any kind of anal play, I'll just educate. And they're like, but why don't you say it's a one-way street? And why don't you say it's forbidden? Why don't you say it's so dangerous? And I'm just going like... Oh, really? really? Yeah. So it's still, you know, there's still a lot of pushback. And I know one educator that said to a group full of um, teens and parents that uh, a boy that looks and she said this. So it's, mm. a, it's a quote. She said, OK, boys, if you look at a girl's ass, you should be ashamed of yourself. It's forbidden. And I was like, what? She's oh, like, it's really? almost similar to being a rapist. I was like. Oh my! Yeah, exactly. Well, that's it's not that harsh here in Sweden, but uh, rumor says that anal sex is just like, well, in the discussion of pornography, for example, they make like anal sex is the same as violence. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some discussions and discourses regarding it, um, but studies shows in Sweden that anal sex is a quite common sexual practice. I think in the Western world. It, yeah, that's what exactly. all the studies show. Yeah, yeah. So it's, and I think it's just uh, as soon as we educate, like you're doing, mm. that's how it's just from one person to another. Exactly. And when the information gets out there, that's how, how I think things will change. But I think, uh, so I think it's important that we get uh, uh, education regarding sexuality, not just like how you do sex, but also what sex is in other discourses. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 totally. Is there like a common theme that you've seen um, clients bringing up in therapy? Is it like a big thing now that people are discussing in particular that you've noticed? 
Uh, I think, uh, well, the Me Too movement really shook Sweden, uh, okay. I think. Uh, so I have, I also work with uh, victims of rape and sexual assault a lot during the years as a sexologist. But also that the Me Too movements went like people wanted to have help with their sexuality after being assaulted. Mm. Uh, so I think that lots of people come to me as a sexologist and therapist to have help. Like, how can I... Uh, be comfortable with my sexuality and my body after mm-hmm. uh, after being assaulted, for example. Yeah, okay. Uh, but also I see uh, increasing numbers of the heterosexual, not transgendered men uh, coming to me as a sexologist wanting to talk about desire and, oh. uh, and the desire that maybe I don't want to have as much, much sex as I'm being thoughts of wanting to have mm. and that, I think that's very very nice to have that opportunity to meet them because the tradition doesn't say that men heterosexual men should talk about feelings regarding sex mm-hmm. it's like a norm that if you are a man then you just want to have sex like all the time mm-hmm. with on and any kind of practice mm-hmm. so I think that's very exciting that we can talk about this more now also, I don't know. I know that in the straight culture, I don't know how it is maybe, you know, in the gay culture, but in the straight culture, um, women often or women are told that if a man doesn't want to have sex with them or if they can't arouse a man, there's something wrong with them. So they exactly. really internalize it and it's just, yes. it kills relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a very common problem with couples who come to me as a therapist that like he doesn't show me appreciation he doesn't look my way and then also when I ask questions regarding their everyday life like how much do you work what do you do on your free time Uh, and I hear quite clearly that they don't have time for intimacy or Mm -hmm. time for having sexual relations with each other Mm -hmm. because they have so much other things going on and then like stress may not be the most sexual feeling that Mm -hmm. you can have body and then if stress is like the norm of your well-being then maybe the horniness flies out of the window yeah and also because people just they they assume that intimacy needs to mean you know putting the penis in the vagina it's like okay so you're talking about intimacy so we need to and you're like no Mm, exactly so when i gave gave them like tasks to do between the sessions like well touch each other's arms yeah at least once a day and they're like why mm-hmm. does that doesn't lead to vaginal intercourse yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we're not there yet we have to yeah. <laughs> create yeah. an atmosphere of positive intimacy i've even said to men i said you know what you might not enjoy the sex that you're offering your partner your partner might not enjoy it and you might not even enjoy it have you ever thought about that yeah and that's also a common question that I ask. What do you want out of sex? Yeah. And lots of heterosexual men, it's like, I really don't ever have thought about it. Mm-hmm. Because they are like placed in a in a box of what they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so when I give them questions regarding, so like, how how can we create an atmosphere for you to research regarding this? Mm-hmm. It's like a blank. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think the lit- just the literature and just like media and stuff like that, it, they haven't been writing about this and nobody no. is really talking about it. Uh, in Sweden, we had a 
a couple of months ago uh, a little bit of a drive where uh, two of the larger magazines uh, or papers had a uh, a series of articles regarding sexual desire in men, okay. uh, which was quite interesting because they also uh, ask questions like what is sexual desire mm-hmm. and what is desire in everyday life? And I think that's a really important question to to define the sexual desire. We also have to look at desire in a broader context. Mm-hmm. What do we have desire to do with our lives in general, but also in the details of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At that context as well. And just where's your happiness? Do you have happiness? Exactly. And what is happiness? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. But I think it's very important to give the arena to discuss these issues. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the question, I want to have more sex, I think you're like, okay, we need to go way back. We need to start with some fundamentals here and then we can work our way towards yeah. that and that is the like uh, what do you say the main thing for us i think as sexologists also to uh, when we work with desire which is not like if a happens then b happens and mm-hmm. uh, we have to look at it okay so you want more sex you want to have a higher level of desire okay then we also have to work at your situation at mm-hmm. your workplace we have mm-hmm. to look at how do you uh, travel to your workplace do you go by bike or bus <laughs> yeah. it's like it's more information that we have to go into and also like how have have it been in past relationships mm-hmm. how did you learn intimacy how did you learn desire mm-hmm. and also have to talk about those things but um seeing as iceland is often considered one of the most egalitarian countries in the world and mm-hmm. you're like our big sister sweden <laughs> How, I mean, you know, but that's what people, I mean, countries look to Sweden and they're like, oh, yeah, no. you know, utopia, Sweden, yeah, they, got, Sweden. <laughs> they got their shit together, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what do you feel the culture is like um, regarding sex in Sweden? Because it, 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 I think it's a really interesting question because now yeah. I've asked mm. a sexologist from Singapore, from Ireland, from mm. Finland yeah. Um, and now you. So it's uh, and and when I talked to Tommy Palinen from uh, okay. Finland, we yeah. we really got into um, the legislation regarding sex work because that's what Sexpo is focusing on right mm. now. And mm. of course, that's the total opposite of Sweden's stance. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Swedish culture regarding sexuality is like quite. We have the we have the how do you say. When people see Sweden in sexu- sexual context, I think people think about the Swedish sin. Like we go on the streets totally naked, we have sex with everyone, uh, and like uh, the old movies from the 60s and 70s regarding to free sexuality. And I think that's quite wrong. I, I have been educating professionals in this sexologist's questions and... Uh, when I see people say to them that they have to ask questions regarding sexuality and they like react with, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> it's mm. not an issue that you want to express and ask questions to the patients in hospital, for example. Right. Like, well, this medication, it can uh, give you lower desire. It can mm-hmm. make your genitals uh, less lubricant, for example. Uh, because it's... 
It's, I think that most people in Sweden think it's quite scary to ask questions regarding sexuality. So when internationally we say that, well, Sweden, they are so free sexually, I think that's completely wrong. We are very, very, in general, as may I add, <laughs> close-minded regarding these issues. Yeah, that's the same as Iceland. But still, yeah. there's one thing that we do have in common, or we do that uh, we have that in common. But we also have in common high STI rates. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, in Sweden, we have laws regarding those STDs, and we have a law that you have to participate in no, party notification, for example, where you go and. And, uh, tell a counselor or a nurse, for example, every sexual partner that you had had the last year mm -hmm. who been uh, under risk of also catching an STD. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> and that's one explanation why our numbers for chlamydia, for example, are extremely high. Yeah, ours as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, especially in Stockholm, the capital, because, well, we have the partner notification and we find a lot of chlamydia infections. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it, what what's is it is it condom usage? I mean, what is what is condom usage and condom ideas in Sweden? Do you know? Uh, I think the general idea of condoms is that it's super duper to use condoms. But uh, when the sex is going to happen, I think uh, less people use the condoms. I don't know the specific numbers for the statistics regarding that, but. <clears throat> Yeah, with my clinical experience, I think people just say that condoms are like a disturbing thing that you have to go through to have uh, yeah. to have sex, like a barrier. And embarrass, and it's embarrassing. Like if I ask someone to bring up the condom, do I then at the same time say that you look promiscuous and you have to? I don't want your STDs, uh, or if. Uh, I am the one who pulls up the condom that's maybe it's interpreted like, well, I've been around, so maybe you should protect yourself, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the same misconceptions everywhere. Yeah, I think, our, I think so too. I think our big work is to try to break these misconceptions because they've been going on for decades now. Absolutely. And I think one way to do that is better sexual education for children and youth. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. To give them better tools to talk about sexuality, but also uh, the importance of mm -hmm. consent, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, how do you how do we communicate during sex, during uh, conversation of sec regarding sexuality in total? Mm -hmm. That also we have to <clears throat> maybe like sexuality is something that we all have a relationship with, uh, even if we're identify as asexual for example and don't have a sexual desire to be with anyone else we have we also even though we have to have how do you say it you have we're, to take a stand like we are sexual beings yeah and we need the intimacy and the touch and and we have views on being naked and you know there's all yeah. these things that go into it absolutely and sexuality isn't only like penetration, mm -hmm. oral sex, anal sex, sexuality is something, like you said, nudity. Uh, we all have bodies that, uh, in relationships with others and ourselves, expresses itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And also an important thing to discuss. Mm -hmm. We have to discuss a lot of things regarding sexuality, yeah. but also that confess and uh, say that we all have sexuality. We all 
are sexual beings, as you said. Yeah, and I've noticed that um, when you say to people, it's actually been defined as a human right. Yeah. That, that sometimes rub pe- rubs people the wrong way. They're like, what? Yeah. No, it's a privilege. Yeah, and I think that's a misinterpretation of the subject, actually. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So it is really, well, we have rights to our bodies, to our sexuality, mm-hmm. doing sex with others and ourselves. And I think that maybe that's one of the main issues internationally and also nationally here in Sweden, that we have political forces that uh, want to like tie us up in very, very narrow norms regarding it. And I what, think that's what do you mean? Uh, regarding rights to abort, safe abortions, for example, the right to uh, live as the person you are if you are, have a trans identity, uh, if you want to have sex with someone as the same gender as you, Uh, And in Sweden, we right now have political forces that want to, well, they want to, with the abortions law, for example, they want to cut the weeks by half so that uh, it will get harder for women, uh, women and people who are unwanted pregnant to abort it, for example. Uh, And also that we have political parties that want the doesn't recognition queer people's identities, uh, which is quite stressful for everyone who has a And are are they in power, those political parties? Yes, sadly they are. Uh, Not in majority, but they have have stools in the parliaments. Yeah, okay. And so so do you feel that uh, Sweden is maybe falling behind on certain rights? Yes. As as we are in Europe in general, I think. Yeah, yeah. We Very are. conservatives' winds are blowing, sadly. What do they want to do with the abortion law? They want to have it at, what, 12 weeks or do you know? Yes, exactly. And now in Sweden, oh. I think, if I remember it right, by 18 or 20. Okay. Wow. So they yeah. want to do it even earlier. Uh, I think it's maybe earlier than 12 weeks. I think uh, different politicians want it, well, even earlier. Yeah, okay. Wow. Okay. But how is it um how is it how is the LGBTQIA <laughs> community mm-hmm. in in Sweden? Like is it do you feel is it safe? Can people hold hands yeah. on the street and kiss on the street? Is there prejudice? I think it really depends on which city or village that you are in in Sweden. In the three bigger cities that are Stockholm, Gothenburg and Malmö, I think it's quite quite okay, it's quite accepting in in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but may, maybe on the countryside it's a bit more, uh, har- it's harder to be an L- LGBTQIA uh, person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's in Sweden in general, I think the LG, lesbian and gay, rights are more accepted uh, if you compare it to like bisexuals and transgendered individuals the the questions regarding bisexuality is like it's a non-issue because we don't talk about it oh really yeah really so there are studies in sweden that shows that bisexual individuals have very low psychological health just because they don't feel that they belong in the lgbt community but not Right. Not in the hetero context as well. So they don't have a like a place to feel comfortable in. 
Yeah, we just saw that with um, teen girls. A study here on teen girls yeah. in Iceland had the same results that they were um, more at risk for anxiety and depression. Yeah, same here. Same here. And also a study uh, shows that uh, those those who drink the most alcohol and uh, are at risk on developing abuse, uh, alcohol abuse, for example, are bisexual women, mm. which is quite an important study that I am surprised hasn't been more in the light, actually. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, bisexual, the bisexual people, they have been really, they are, they, they fit nowhere. Exactly. Know? So it's yeah. such it's such an, an an important topic, but there's so much silence surrounding it. So much silence, uh, and if you bring it up, it will always like well, humanity. That ha- that is how humanity works. I think that it's very black and white because mm-hmm. if we then present a topic that is like, if we take bisexuality for example, that okay, I want to discuss bisexual individuals' health. Well, we can't do that because transgender people are so much more in danger of psychological health, uh, unhealth. Yes, yes, all the studies shows that. But we also have to have more than two thoughts in our heads at the same time and discuss mm-hmm. uh, different groups and risk regarding it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, right. But so what are the um, rights for, like you said, gay and lesbian people in Sweden? Do they have the exact same rights? Yeah. Nowadays, the law follows the social attitudes in general. Uh, well, in the late 70s, that when the it was in Sweden uh, a disease to not to be homosexual, but to act on on the homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then after that, the the laws also followed the the general attitudes. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, it was decided that transgendered people who had done the the surgery um, before 2013 in Sweden, if you wanted to do the surgery regarding trans transsexualism, uh, if you were born in a typical male body mm-hmm. uh, but identified as a woman and wanted to go through the operation uh, before 2013, uh, people who are tra- who had the diagnosis, which is still a diagnosis in Stockholm in Sweden I think it is you know on Iceland as well mm-hmm, it is. Uh, to have to be transsexual uh, to have the binary gender uh, if you are born with a typical male body and identifies a woman and wanted to go through the operations to become the woman that you are uh, you had to get sterilized uh, if you wanted to go through the operations okay that's not that's not mandatory here I think yeah Good, because that, and that's mandatory. Till, and that was taken away in 2013. Okay, okay. Here in Sweden, which was very a great accomplishment. Uh, but then, for a couple of months ago, it was decided in the parliament that the people who had been forced to get sterilized uh, would also get economical compensation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is oh, it was it was a party. <laughs> Yeah, because it it's very important that the parliaments in each country really recognize the rights that people have. Exactly, exactly. And, and when they break those rights. Exactly. And then maybe money doesn't buy you back the time and hurt that you have forced to have on your having your knee. But uh, 
it is still is a statement that I think is very important, both mm-hmm. nationally but also internationally. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me one thing? Because you used the term transsexualism. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed when we're attending the um, Nox conferences that a lot yeah. of the Nordic countries do use the word transsexualism, whereas I think, I mean, I've noticed in UK and US, they always say transgender and transsexualism yeah. is something else. So Yeah. Transsexualism in Sweden is the diagnosis that if you are, as I gave the example earlier, it's the binary gender Mm. system. Uh, If you are born with a typical male body, uh, but identify as woman, Mm -hmm. uh, then you are transsexual. Uh, Transgender is a term that I... uh, that I use because transgender can be a, it's like, I don't know if it, this is a word in English, but in Swedish we call it like an umbrella. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really, it's like transgender is, uh, is transsexual, but it can also be non-binary. Mm-hmm. That if you're, mm-hmm. not, you're not a woman, you're not a man, you maybe are a mix and, or something else. Or non-binary, it's a very hard word to pronounce. <laughs> uh, but also it likes the term is, under the umbrella, transgender, yeah, it okay. can be also different things as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. transsexualism is in Sweden a diagnosed uh, based on a two by a binary, yeah. binary gender system. I hear you. The binary, yeah, it's a weird yeah. word. It's hard it to really use. <laughs> oh. But um, have you? Um, do you know anything about how the Swedish model for sex work has been doing? Um, both yes and no. Uh, I think that the Swedish model has also very international good reputation and a lot of countries work towards having the same model as mm-hmm. here in Sweden. Um, I think the the idea of the law is very good intentional that you wanted to protect people who are, are sex workers or as in Sweden, the law system called them prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it comes with a price, I think, uh, because the, those people who are sex workers, I use the same, I use the term sex workers mm-hmm. because I think it's, the term prostitutes has, uh, its own, um, it's quite negative. Yeah, it's quite negative, And also that it's also very one note yeah. type term, uh, the type sex worker really shows the broad of. Mm-hmm. The real context. Um, the Swedish model comes with a price towards uh, that the sex workers doesn't doesn't think that they have the same rights. Mm-hmm. And maybe if I be, if I have to go to he- the healthcare system and I tell them that I am a sex worker, that it comes with like uh, their rights to healthcare is decreased, for example. Or uh, if I have an infection. I doesn't have the, I don't have the same rights to get health care mm-hmm. because I have, I have the experience of selling sex, for example. Yeah, shame and but stigma all, and all that. Absolutely. Um, and I think that the question regarding sex work is like uh, the same. It's not black and white. It's a very broad gray area that we have to also discuss to uh, make the stigma less hard. When the Swedish model are discussed here in Sweden... In general, it's quite fixed. The attitudes are fixed. Yeah, that yeah, people okay. that uh, are into sex working as individuals, they are victims, they have been raped. or uh, Same dialogue as in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, 
So when I am in discussions with on this topic, then I say, well, <laughs> well only when I say, oh, well, mm-hmm. they know that I, I am going to problematize it in another way that they are used to. And I immediately are meted with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they step at you. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Like my individual perspective on sex work is not relevant in my work, I, I believe, because I can have my own private individual perspective on it. But me as a therapist and a sexologist, I have to be very, very aware that my attitudes are mine. Mm-hmm. But in my work, I have to be professional. And I have to meet the individual that I have in front of me and all the time listen to their stories and not be judge- not mm-hmm. judging them for how they choose to live their life. Exactly. And that's, I think that's maybe the, mo- the most important issue that we have to be working as sexologists. And I can see that importance in this task regarding a lot of type of issues in the sexological world, like, well, sex work, pornography, uh, anal sex, all mm-hmm. the topics that we have been talking to, really. Uh, our individual perspectives on things are not relevant when we meet people mm-hmm. because we have to meet them at the context that they are in. Mm-hmm. And if they say things like, well, anal sex is disturbing, it's wrong, then I can like, oh, I hear your perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I can have all my research in my, the back of my head and like, yes, I know all the studies <laughs> that shows this and this and this. But in the clinical world where I meet people, uh, I have to listen to their stories and their their stories are the most important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I've um, I've been talking, I've, this is actually one of the topics here in Iceland. So sex work and pornography, they overlap quite a bit in discussion here here in Iceland. Here as well, here as well. And um, there's kind of, there's just, there's, like you say, there's one voice and Mm. one opinion and nothing else is allowed. Not really. Exactly. And I think I I will actually be part of a radio show here later in the summer regarding the topic of pornography, uh, where I'm going to say the things that I said now, that it's very important that we have studies that show maybe the opposite sides, like pornography doesn't affect mm-hmm. your sexuality and pornography uh, changes your sexuality. Mm-hmm. That's like the two camps here in Sweden, really. And when I'm going to say when those different camps say different things, it's very common that our own morals come alive and that's mm-hmm. like is the direction that we choose to take. And I think that's a quite dangerous thing to do because we're all... Having, having individual experiences with pornography, with sex in general, and when our morals take the direction, I think it's quite maybe dangerous development. But what um, do you produce porn in in Sweden? Is it is it okay to produce and distribute porn in yes. Sweden? Yes, it is. That's not allowed in Iceland. Oh, really? Yeah. So we have to import pornography. Uh, you're not allowed to sell it. 
oh, okay, it's that, okay. No, yeah. not, not, so not, it's, not that you know of that we have those kind of criteria here in Sweden. Well, no. I mean, the sex the sex shops, some of them, yeah. they, they sell porn, they do. And that's why I think they have an 18-year-old age limit. You have to be 18 yeah. to go into it. Yeah. But um, but technically, it is illegal to sell it. It's just one of those things that they don't really go, you know, go after. But uh, some of the bookstores had yeah. like, you know, porn magazines and yeah. they were all uh, removed from the shelves and haven't been in bookstores, I think, for at least, I don't know, 12 years or something. But if we continue with the example with bookstores, how do you, how do how does the bookstores in Iceland take a stand regarding like erotic literature? Oh no, that's fine. Some... It's no pictures. Oh, okay, so the pornography is only pictures or Oh, it's defined by movies. pictures, yeah. Okay, okay. But the definition like in every other country is a bit it's bit it's big, you know, it's yeah. not like, oh okay, so that's definitely porn. So I'll know it when yeah. I see it. But and that's the argument. I'll know it when I see it, but it depends yeah. who you ask. Exactly. And I think that's the also the, a very big thing that we have to address is like pornography is really defined by every individual because mm-hmm. like erotica in a book sh- bookshelf in a store can also be defined as pornography for some. Exactly. So how do you define the pornography band if you don't know what you are banding, for example? Yeah. And um, it was, what was it, a year ago or two years ago that you guys did um, did a program or something that was showing different kinds of couples having sex. Yeah. What was it, a year ago or two years ago or something like that? Oh, my God. During what? my, apparently, I have been completely yeah. in my, <laughs> my sense of time <laughs> no i understand that but um do you know wh- wh- where was it shown where were these 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 were various couples various gender various orientation maybe you are thinking about the german television that one of my swedish colleagues were no that's what i'm of. thinking about yeah yeah uh i don't think that we have have been showing that kind of program since like a couple of decades ago uh but there are still a couple of like the same theme type of program, but they are shown like late on the evening and on the pay channels. Mm, okay. Not pay-per-viewed, but like you have to pay for the the access to the channel. I But I saw uh, I saw a show with a person, I think she's, I don't, Linne or not Lotta. She was like... Linne here. Might be. She was this, um, she's this blonde, big hair. And, oh, that's her, huh? And, uh, but she feels quite young, like she's between 20 and 30 Okay. and she wanted to, it's like something about uh, uh, like Linne and Kroppen or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I saw one of her shows, I watched it, even though it wasn't Swedish. And yeah. then she was, um, she had a couple tape themselves during sex and then talk and watch the video and talk about them. And she, um, mm. she so? was, it was like, she showed, she showed a lot on that show. And yeah. I was like, wow, okay, Sweden, you get to show a lot on your, you know, television programs. Oh, I totally missed this. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was like wondering, I'm like, who is this person? She didn't introduce herself as a sexologist or a sex educator. It was just like, I'm a TV maker. I'm really interested in the topic of sex. So I really want to know. Yeah. So I was like... Uh, we have, we have, historically, we have had a couple of those type of programs. And they are, as I said, they are only showed in like... The channels that you have to pay for to have access to. Yeah, okay. The commercials, uh, well, the commercial channels. Mm-hmm. Something like the state. The, the state yeah, stuff. okay. 
Because you see, the state, like the Icelandic state, that's one yeah. of the shows that we might buy and actually show on the state channels here. Because we're like, it's from Sweden. You know, if Sweden's done it or Norway or Denmark, we're like, mm-hmm, okay. that's good stuff. But we will not produce it. Yeah, but you, you can buy it and import it to Iceland. You see how weird that is? Yeah, it sounds quite weird. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So it's like... It feels almost like, okay, you're big big brother or big sister. And if you guys give the okay, it must be okay for us. Hmm. It's strange. I, I'm really, I'm, I'm quite surprised by that because I, I didn't think that it was so defined. <laughs> yeah, and it's very, um, it's really strict here in Iceland. Everything really regarding pornography is quite strict. Hmm. And the dialogue is quite, um, yeah, it's just not an open dialogue. It's not a dialogue. It's a monologue. Yeah, well, it's the same in Sweden because we're, we've had one researcher who, was, uh, who had been studying the filters of porn, like, uh, like in schools. They are, it has oh, been yeah, a yeah, quite yeah. big discussion that uh, should we have filters in schools so that kids don't get in contact with pornography during mm-hmm. school time. Uh, and one of the researchers in Sweden uh, took, participated in the news channel, one of the news channels, and said, well, the research shows that filters doesn't work. It's like throw money into a hole, really, because kids are much smarter. <laughs> we, have, we have these smartphones that mm-hmm. they can uh, easily get access to pornography uh, Either way, so why don't we put the money and educate teachers to have a discussion regarding pornography? Oh, music uh, which I think is quite a good standpoint in this issue. But she got really, really threatened afterwards. Oh, like, wow. really got received lots and lots of hate mm. uh, and threats just because she had another kind of um, opinion. Opinion. Thank you. Opinion in this issue and. Uh, the discourse of anti-porn is quite harsh here in Sweden. Yeah, yeah, and that's seeping down to us here in Iceland, uh, or yeah. the other way around. I'm not sure, but it, it but it is strange to me because like the discussion is different in Norway as well, and it feels quite different in Denmark. You know, so mm-hmm. we're, we have all these countries. We're always grouped together as the Nordic countries, yeah. but yet there are many areas where we do not agree. Exactly. So I think it's uh, I think this is something actually that I would want us to talk more at when the Nordic countries meet. Me too. Absolutely. To get Absolutely. The, to get the discussion going and like what can we learn from another how can we support one another because yeah. I know I mean Iceland needs support in various ways. That's one thing that I that has really stuck with me when I was in Iceland and met you for the first time uh, during the next conference when you presented uh, a speaker and uh, who told like, well, vaginal intercourse, uh, it doesn't give you an orgasm, it uh, increases the risk of pa- vaginal pain and things like that. Mm-hmm. And after the speak, you went up and said, so what can we learn regarding this? Maybe we should stop having vaginal intercourse. <laughs> and I think, oh. that's quite, I think that's very interesting. Like, well, yes, we have to really take the research that we have regarding sexual health and like, well, for example, vaginal intercourse only doesn't give a lot of women orgasm, Mm -hmm. but we have to like take the next step and talk about what is orgasm and how do you get orgasm. And also 
the different kinds of discourses that we have in the Scandinavian countries. Like, we are so stuck with the idea of penetration that it doesn't save the world. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but conference after conference, not only the Nordic conference, but also other, com- uh, other conferences that I participated in, it's like we have this pathological view that penetration will save our sexuality. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is like very narrow-minded for for us to... I sat through uh, a presentation at um, a, a conference here in Europe where the researcher <clears throat> was presenting her study on how oxytocin, um, artificial oxytocin or synthetic oxytocin, um, yeah. affects a woman's ability to orgasm. And I was like, wow, this is super exciting. You know, I want to know because oxytocin, you know, we have all these various studies about yeah, oxytocin yeah, yeah. And, and effects. I'm so, scared of what so, you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so the room was packed. She was put in kind of a small, uh, like a conference, like a meeting room almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was like every chair was full so quite a bit of interest and um she presented her study and when she was going to her methodology uh she was like okay so we had this woman and we sprayed her and then she had intercourse with her partner and then they reported after the intercourse and i was like my hand shot up in the air and i'm like are you serious are you serious did you actually just tell people to go into the next room have intercourse and then report back and I'm like, how, how long did they get? And we just got into it. And I'm like, why didn't you have her masturbate? And why didn't you do this and this and that? And I'm like, do you know the statistics? Like, could this woman orgasm through an integral? You know, I, just, I, I went crazy. And she yeah. got so... Understandable. She got so mad. Oh, and, really? Yeah, you know, her and her co- colleagues, they like grouped around afterwards. And they looked at me and then pointed. And one person gave me... Um, like um, their countries, because I've been to their country. I know their, you know, yeah. their slang for somebody's yeah. an idiot. And they gave me that, they're pointing and they were like really, really angry. Also that they're staring at me. And my friend who was with me there, she was like, oh, you made some enemies there, girlfriend. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And afterwards, that person got the award for the best research and best presentation. And there I was just like, I lost faith in sexologists. I was like, yeah, we're fucked yeah. up. Yeah, I think I think you're in a really important issue here as well, in an important topic. Because we think that sexologists are like this very open-minded, who are like open to everything and the discourse that everything is normal and we are all the same. But also in the sexological world, we have lots and lots of issues regarding, as you were saying, the methodology. Uh, methodology, that's also, yeah. That's also a horrifying <laughs> word to pronounce. Um, like we have different methods to do our research and uh, when results come in clash with each other, how can we discuss it? Because it also shows the compl- complexity with sexuality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's something that we have to lift up as a, maybe the most important result in all the studies, that sexuality can express itself in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the methods on how we do the research are so bloody important that we have to, <laughs> and I also want to add, I really hate it, studying mythology yeah <laughs> <laughs> i did as well exams because i think it's not that fun but afterwards now that i don't study i really see the importance of it that we we without the methods research are nothing yeah exactly exactly we have to look on how our studies done 
and what what kind of definitions do you have on mm. the things that you are studying if you have if you're doing a porn study and say that porn says that uh, if you are looking on violence in pornography for example and the definition of violence is oral anal sex and uh, bitch slaps mm-hmm. then we have a problem exactly yeah So you don't have to stare blind at the results. We also have to lift our eyes and read the method part. But I hate, I think because we're in a society of media and social media, yeah. all yeah. Of these studies just get picked up and the results are just presented, they're misconstrued, and then they're just all of a sudden all over the place. Yeah, I got, to, I got the luxury of commenting a study that for some reason got quite... Uh, how do you say, got some lots of attention here in Sweden for a couple of years ago that if you have sex more than three times a week, then you're more happy than mm, if you don't. Yep, I remember that one. Yeah, and I, I think it was the American study, actually. And then I went to the radio, I went into the radio and I said, well, how do you define happiness? Exactly. <laughs> and like, how do you define the sexual activity? And the study hadn't defined it. And I was like, this study doesn't show that much because you haven't defined it. And then the uh, the leader of the program in the in the break said, you can't say that. We do. We have a television. We have a radio show to do. You have to say, do this, do this, and then you will be happy. And What? I'm like, well, that would be very unprofessional of me yeah. to say, do this, this, and this, and then you're happy. Exactly. <laughs> it's not. The humanity is more complex than like that. Like it's a recipe But, for pancakes or something. Exactly. Happiness pancake. Yeah, happiness pancake. It doesn't exist, sadly. <laughs> no, but it's, 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 and I think, you know, I also feel that sometimes in our society as of sexologists, yeah. people, and I know I also speak for myself, I, there are a lot of big personalities and I realize that. Yeah. But sometimes it feels a little bit isolating because with big personalities, sometimes people have really big egos. And it yeah. feels sometimes that, um, or at least it's been my experience, that sometimes sexologists feel like they are above criticism or above the dialogue. Mm. And you're like, but wait, can we collaborate or can we talk about this or how can this be made better? Whereas they kind of get defensive if you criticize. Mm. I think that's common in every every knowledge, really, that if you're a scientist in, I don't know, architecture or forest or anything that's it's a hierarchy that's when you are younger and not like not as experienced as other people then you're like some being looked down on mm, so yeah. for, take me for example i'm 32 i've been working with sexual and reproductive health since i was 15 in wow. one way or another yeah impressive <laughs> so that, but well i have been working in this area for almost 17 years then i get maybe more respect and only when I say I'm 32 and I'm a sexologist because then people say well maybe he's educated social worker and he yeah yeah yeah. maybe he's only been working in the field a year or two or something exactly yeah yeah but how did you get into it so young yeah well I was one of those annoying children (laughs) who thought that we should get more sex education here Mm -hmm. so I did a work on abortions uh, oh okay on the side of everything else wow It comes to add that I don't didn't have so many friends when I went to school, so I got the time to do it. And I think it's quite fascinating that the sexual education for youth is so bad, really. And here in Sweden, we have the we have sexual education 
as a must in the school because since uh, 1955. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's ever since it hasn't been regulated and it's up to every teacher to look that it is a part of the education but yeah same here reality is something different so i well took the matter in my own hands really and adjusted the tasks that we were given to 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 have more sexology in my work so were you educating your peers in school yeah Wow, and you and you got the time in class to do that, or they like the school allowed you to do that. The school uh, had a system that when we are doing like projects, then we had to show it and tell it to our classmates. Mm, perfect. Uh, which helped me as lot, uh, a lot as a lecturer nowadays when I uh, educate in sexology because I began to practice it quite early, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so when we had the task to um, do a project on the most important invention in history, people chose like the car, the piano, and I chose to do the task about condoms. Oh, well done. It was like the only sex set that we had that year, really. Yeah, okay, wow. So that was... And they are, well, the next year we had a bio- biology test on how twins were made. Ah, exactly. Yeah. Um, It's so funny because uh, my friend told me the other day, she's like, oh, it was so funny when you decided to become a sexologist because all of us went like, finally, there's some place for you to study. And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, Sika, every class project during university, because I I took psychology as a bachelor, they're like, every every class project during our university schooling, you made something about sex. And I was like, no, I didn't. No. And they're like, (laughs) yes, you did. You're like, our professors were like, Sika, calm down. Yeah. And and it, but I was totally unaware. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, 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 also interesting because you're not the first sexologist that I've met that is saying this. You know, it starts from such an early age where you're just like curious and you're open yeah. and yeah. You, you just want to know. Regarding sexology, when I was that young, I think that I thought was the most interesting thing is that how come doesn't, what's the reason that we don't talk about these issues more often? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I, I saw the reactions in my, on the adults in my, yeah. Both by environment, like uh, got stiff and like didn't want to answer, or like answered really quick and then went to another direction. And I was like, how? Why is it like this? Yeah, exactly. Can we do it so it can be more uh, lustful to talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 very interesting. So my final question for you is: What do you think the future of sex looks like? Right, you're positive. Yes. Yes, I think I think that even though there are more conservative winds that, that is blowing over the world, uh, we can see that it has been done before. But uh, the bright mm. side has always won. So yeah, the bright side has always won. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think and I believe that it will happen again. Well, I, think I have to believe it so I can. So you go can to work. work yeah, 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 yeah. But I think you know also with having more people who are in the media and also who are you know training as sexologists yeah and, and all the other sex inspirators or sex coaches or whatever they're doing okay. um, I think it just it helps the conversation when there are more people to support what you're saying 
There are yeah. more voices. There's more diversity. Yeah. yeah. And then it can, it makes more sense instead of it just being like one crazy person. Now you can't Absolutely. just say that it's one crazy person. And that's really the a very good thing regarding the international networks that we are part of and uh, that I got to meet you as an inspiration also so that we can have this kind of discussion and also that I can go to my colleagues here and say well me and Sika we talked about this mm-hmm. so it's the networks internationally are also very very important so that we can well change experiences and change perspectives on the same issues that we have in our countries I yeah think yeah yeah Exactly. Exactly. That it's really revitalizing. So are you going to Turku yeah. this fall? Sadly, no. Oh. No. Okay. But I, I really wanted to. But the family comes first. Yeah. So next year in Denmark, I think we are going to, if I remember it correctly. Yeah. 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 I think so. Oldborg, isn't it? Oldborg. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I think so. I want to go to. Um, uh, I want to go to Wash in Mexico next year. I think that's next year. It's next year in Mexico City. It's in October. October 19. Yeah, I think I'm going to make that a priority. Yeah, maybe so. I'm, I will look that up. <laughs> I, I was like, oh Fabulous. my God. Yeah, me and Ausler were um, talking about bringing both of our families. Oh, oh. and maybe, maybe presenting something together. Yeah. And, uh, and making it like a huge big trip. And then I probably wouldn't. You know, then I probably wouldn't go to Nax in Denmark because yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's likely around the same time. Priority. Yeah. Yeah. And also just um, after I have now once been to EFS and, you know, I know the Nax community. Uh, now I know a little bit about the EFS. So yeah. I want to know about WAS. Yeah, me too. I've never been to WAS, actually. I've been to EFS and Nax. So maybe WAS is the next step. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, yeah, I've never been to, yeah, I've never been to WAS either. I did meet some amazing contacts. In EFS. Yeah, and that's a good network thing as well. And that's the it's a big plus that you get more information of studies doing in other countries, but the network thing is very dear. But the people that I did meet, they are doing amazing work, but they weren't necessarily presenting anything. Yeah. You know, yes. so I think like you said, I think the conferences are so important to build that community, to feel the support and mm-hmm. to be able to cast these ideas and be like, okay, yeah, yeah. what do you think? What's it like for you? Can we work together or what can we do? What do you, how do you see the future of sexology? Um, I see the future of sexology bright, like you do. Yeah. Um, I see freedom, a lot of freedom, a freedom to be who you are so that... Um, in every dimension, but also in relationship form, because that's what we see a big dialogue here in Iceland is that people are opening up their relationships. So relationships are not necessarily monogamy only. We hmm. see now that relationships have different forms. And yeah. Yeah. and I think that's really, really important. I see the future of sexology as very bright, as more freedom and mm. as um, more inclusive and that we respect people's um, human rights. And we mm. also respect the person's boundaries and privacy. So uh, people are allowed to be as private as they want, but also as public. Um, Mm. regarding their sex life and we stop the social comparison of what your sex looks like and what my sex should look like or what your sex should look like based on who you're in a relationship with or what your age is or gender orientation all that crap yeah so i i want a world where um there you know 
in regards to orientation, we really don't need it. In mm. regards to gender, we really don't need it. I yeah. know it might seem unrealistic, um, but I think I, I it's think a beautiful for, idea to work again work through. I think. Well, yeah, I just I think yeah, I just think we need to um, be more of an individual and then be more of a like a humanity instead of yeah. all these all these labels that we're drowning in. Yeah, yeah. And I understand the labels, and I understand why we need them now. I'm just saying, in the future, mm. I'd like well, this. Maybe we just need words today so that we can be free from them tomorrow. Exactly, exactly, perfectly yeah. put. That's mm-hmm. yeah, and that's and that's totally that's totally my experience. Yeah, because I think I we oft, we often don't we don't hear the other person when we use some of the labels. Yeah, because they just they're drowned in stereotype. Yeah, exactly. It comes with a whole agenda with things. Yeah, 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 exactly. So to me, that is the future. Hmm. Um, and I'm, re- I'm just really interested also where we're going with the robots and everything, artificial intelligence. And to me, I've watched all the series of Black Mirror on Netflix. Yeah, I missed that one, but I've been recommended it for... Ah, uh, they have four seasons and... This will change your life. This is okay, like really? <laughs> no, but these are like these are the episodes that they feel so close to the future. They're so possible, mm. and they're so frightening. Mm. And um, yeah. I've never had a TV show that really sticks with me, where I'm thinking, "Wow, this actually could happen, or has happened, or will happen." But this one did. Oh, it's it's for it's so it's episodes and four seasons. So each one is yeah. um, independent. Oh really? Oh okay. Yeah, so you don't need to follow anything, and and if you don't like the episode, you can just oh, skip it. You know, it won't affect yeah. the rest. Then but, I will watch it. But prepare, prepare, prepare yourself. It's a mind fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like this is something I could not binge because I was just like, this is fucking me up. I'm like, okay. what the hell? Oh, I'm prepared. Okay, mentally, but and no children <laughs> around. This is not. Oh no! Okay, it's not. No, 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 no! It's it's not safe. It's like you know, some have murder, some have sex, and or drug use, and all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't, and especially not you know, for your child that's your age, which is asking about everything and absorbing everything. You need to be so (laughs) careful all the time with kids at that age. Well, at least that's. I hear you. That's my experience. Yeah. So, Kale, it was amazing chatting to you. Oh, back to you. It feels like I'm babbling a couple of times, but no. it's, so, it's so exciting. <laughs> You're amazing. And oh, you too. I'm so glad that we actually got this chance, seeing as I won't be, won't be seeing you in Tur- Turku. No, sadly. In the fall. But maybe... Was. Maybe Mexico. <laughs> it sounds so amazing, doesn't it? It does, really. It does, really. And um, if you go to Iceland, wow, has really good and, um, cheap airfare to Mexico. Oh, okay. Ah. through Canada yeah. so now I've planted the idea in your head and you can tell your partner and see if you can make a vacation yeah. out of it absolutely absolutely okay well have a good day and I'll you too see you okay thank you bye goodbye thank you for listening to this week's episode of from one sexologist to another if you want to be a guest on the show you can contact me on my website Sigaduck.com. That's S-I-G-G-A-D-O-G-G dot com. 